they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I was sharing in the first service, and I might as well share it again. As a, as a brand new pastor, serving in my first appointment as a local pastor um, some 28 years ago, this was the passage of scripture that I preached from. Except I preached from the King James Version. And in the King James Version, this passage of Scripture says uh, in verse 37, The harvest is plenteous, but the workers are few. I had practiced saying that, and I had practiced, and I was nervous, but I wanted to get it right because I was a brand new pastor. I was in a new three-point charge, so I had three churches, and it was 845 on my first Sunday, in my first church, and I got up and I said, the harvest is the harvest is full. What I came to understand is I do not speak really well King James. I had prayed that nobody would have really noticed, but I knew that was probably not the case. And as I was leaving a man in that community who I had known pretty much all my life because it was a community that my mom actually grew up in, looked at me and said, So, Porky Pig, how's it going? Now, for those of you who don't know who Porky Pig is, Porky Pig was a cartoon character that just had a bad stuttering problem. And that's what he said to me. And my response to him was, I said, I am perfect, thank you. I can say the word plenteous just not that day. But with that question comes another, with that statement I should say, comes a question. If the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and God tells us to ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest field, is it possible that we are the answer to that prayer. Are we the answer to that prayer? Hmm. This has been an unusually hard time for people across the country. I want to be an agent of change. How about you? When I meet children who do, when I meet a child who doesn't seem to fit in or is who is neglected, malnourished or abused, I want to do something about it. When I'm on my way to church on Sunday mornings and I see folks headed off to the lake pulling a boat or jogging or kids that are riding bikes instead of heading to Sunday school or church, I, it makes me want to do something about it. When I look at the faces of people who are on drugs and living on, or who are living on the streets, I hurt. My heart aches. I want to do something about this. How about you? I mean, we have good news, don't we? Jesus Christ is Lord. 
And he can transform lives. He can give lives meaning. Turn sad and lost people into folks with passion, with love, and a skip in their step. I know it because I've experienced and I've seen it happen time after time after time in other people's lives who have been changed. I, my friends, am part of a church that knows the shepherd. We know the shepherd here that much that we call ourselves good shepherd. We know that the shepherd is good. I am a part of a church that if folks become involved in it, their lives will begin, will begin in new ways to be transformed and, and, and lifted as well. I have seen this hundreds and hundreds of times in churches that I have served, and I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times here at Good Shepherd as I've watched people come in and experience the presence of God. So, I want to bring people in. I want to build the kingdom for the sake of God and neighbor, for the sake of this lost and hurting world, for the sake of love. But what do I do? How do I get to it? How can I do that? I mean, that's a question that's being asked so many times now. The problems and the concerns and the opportunities seem so large that what do we do? How can we change it? In our Gospel lesson this morning, we get a beautiful description, a beautiful glimpse of what motivates Jesus to do what Jesus does. Jesus has been moving from town to town, teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing the sick and the diseased. Strong sermons during fear and uncertainty. Hmm. Have we seen anything like that? Just wondering. And we are told that when Jesus saw the crowds, when Jesus looked at the faces of the people, he came across, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The description of harassed and helpless paints a picture of a predator and its prey where the prey is continually mangled by the predator until it gives up and just lies down and takes it. Does this sound like our world to you? Are we struggling? They're wandering around. Jesus said he saw folk that were without a shepherd, without the knowledge of God in this world. They were wandering around aimlessly, not knowing where, they, where they're headed or where they might go to be healed. And so they try this, they try that. They find out that that doesn't work, so then they move on to another lie, or they fall into yet another trap. They are powerless to change their lives, and there is no one who will step in to show them the way. Do you know people like that? Do you see people like that in your daily life? Who is it? Is it the person working on a cash register at the convenience store or, or at the restaurant or at the grocery store? Is it the man or woman sitting with their head in their hands near a busy highway exit ramp? 
Is it the father or the mother who works an average of 80 to 90 hours a week at a high-paying job but spends no time with his or her children? Is it a youngster who is struggling in school about to drop out? Is it a drug addict? Maybe it's about an alcoholic. Is it a cranky neighbor? Is it a family member? Who are the harassed and helpless in your community? Jesus sees a mass of humanity in great need. And what is his response? His response is compassion. This is what motivates Jesus to do what he does. Compassion. Compassion is the feeling of deep sympathy or sorrow for the plight of another, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate suffering. This is what Jesus experiences when he sees the world. This is what God is like. Compassion is the opposite of indifference. When we are helping someone in need, we are said to be showing them compassion. Compassion is the exact opposite of indifference. When we are helping someone in need, we, when we are helping people, we are helping them in compassion, and compassion is not a spectator sport. It requires action. But in the face of so much need, it's easy to shut down or be confused about where to begin as we try to take care of people's problems. I don't know about you, but I love to go and watch baseball. I am majorly juiced by baseball. Is this one of the sports that I absolutely love to watch? Avid sports fans arrive at stadiums hours before the game, carrying coolers, wearing team shirts, wearing hats. Many of these fans probably haven't played those sports themselves in many years, but they love to watch. And watching sports involves a lot of eating and standing in lines. Occasionally something happens on the field or the court, and people spill their beverages, their popcorn, they stand and cheer for the player who has just scored, hit the home run. But they're spectators. As Christians, are we supposed to be spectators or players? Are we supposed to be fans or followers? Being a fan of Jesus is not the same as being a follower. Being a fan is a spectator sport. Being a follower is being in relationship. It is working with Jesus on the front lines, doing whatever it takes. It's literally being on the field, hitting the ball, catching the ball, doing the work that Christ has called us to do. And boy, is it exciting. The needs are great, Jesus said. But as he points out in verse 37, the workers are few. Jesus quickly shifts from an imagery of lost and harassed sheep to the imagery of harvest. He said the harvest is plenteous. See, I can do that in King James. 
but the workers are few. I love going to apple orchards in the fall. At the height of the season, when the apples are so ready to be picked, they're practically ready to jump off the tree into your hand or into your basket. In my opinion, there is no better time, no better thing to do than to bite into an apple that is fresh off the tree. I remember as a kid going to the apple orchards with my family, and my mom would always take a wet rag with her so that when we pulled the apple off the tree, we could wash it off. And I had a dry rag or a dry paper so that I could shine it up so it looked all pretty. And then I took the first bite. Wow, that was amazing. Matter of fact, I can almost taste that apple right now. But what if there was no one to pick those apples? They would just die. They would fall to the ground and be eaten by worms or rot. They would be completely wasted. It's similar with people. What would happen to folks in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, if no one models the love of Christ for them and invites them to be part of the church where they can come into the saving relationship of Jesus Christ? Strong sermons. People are wandering around aimlessly, searching for something, someone, whom they have not yet met. Who will send them? Who will introduce them? I love it the way Paul puts it in Romans chapter 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call on the one who they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one who they have not heard? How can they hear without someone telling them? And how can someone telling, tell them unless they hear the words proclaimed? It is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In our Gospel lesson this morning, Jesus instructs the disciples to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Clearly, the answer to their prayer is the disciples themselves. They are the ones they are praying for. They are the ones that they're praying might have compassion. How do we have compassion? How do we learn what it means to be the hands and feet of Christ. Well, for me, while we're not going to have communion today, Pastor Louise helped me by having communion on the table because it really tells the story of compassion for me. As I think about the bread and the compassion and the story behind the sharing of the bread at communion, I think about the time when Jesus took that bread with his disciples and he held it up and blessed it and gave it to them and said, Take, eat. 
This is my body which is given for you. This is how much compassion, how much love I have for you. Take it and eat it. This represents what I'm going to do for you because I love you. And when supper was over, he took the cup. He blessed it and gave it to him and said, Take, drink all of this. This is my blood that will be shed for you. Because I love you. Because I have compassion for you. Take and drink and remember how much I love you. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are moved by that compassion. When Jesus said, pray to the to the Lord of the harvest that there might be laborers. They were praying for themselves. How do we know that? Because in the very next chapter, Jesus sends them. And look at who they are. Simon, Andrew, James, uneducated fishermen. Matthew, a former crooked tax collector. And Judas, Judas Iscariot ends up being the one who betrays Jesus to the authorities. I don't know about y'all, but I don't see these as model citizens in that time. These are not the people that I believe that God would have called. Who would have ever thought that somebody would have called somebody like me to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? I am not the logical person to be the perfect Christian evangelist. But then, is there such a thing as a perfect Christian evangelist? Is there something perfect about all of us? I mean, I tried at one time to say to Pastor Louise that I was perfect, and after she got up off the floor laughing, I realized maybe that was a joke. You see, we are all fallen. We are all sinners. We are all just simply saved by grace. Let me try that again, because you know what? There should be amens all over the place for that. We are all just simply saved by grace. Thanks be to God. We are all on the journey together. God isn't finished with us yet. But God can and will use imperfect people like me, like you, to reach a world with the saving message of the kingdom. If we wait until we're perfect to go out to tell the good news, to invite people to church, to love them into the kingdom, there will never be workers in the kingdom. Because we're not perfect. We can't be perfect. We try, but we never are good enough in our eyes. The good news is, is that we are good enough in God's eyes. We are called to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world. And that gives me a lot of encouragement. Because God chooses to believe that I can feed the hungry. That I can help heal the sick. That I can bring hope to the harassed and hopeless. You see, my friends, we need to be saying to people, don't be afraid in these times. God is healing. We need to be able to say to people that it is not okay 
for racial injustices to occur. We need to be able to say to people that it is not okay for neighbor not to love, neighbor not to live in harmony. We need to be the ones who are standing up and proclaiming boldly that God is God and God wants unity in this family. And if it's not me, then who will it be? If it's not you, who will it be? I want God to use me. I want God to help me be that agent of hope, that agent of compassion in this world. How about you? We are the church, my friends. And Scripture makes it clear that the church is meant to be a group of those who are sent out into our communities, proclaiming the message of Jesus, healing the sick. How many of you really believe that if you pray for someone, they'll be healed? So many people don't believe that. But God said, we by our prayers can heal the sick. Not us, but Him. We're called to raise the dead, to drive out demons. And we do this not alone. We don't do this on our own. It's not our power. Jesus does it through us. If we are willing, if Christ's compassion compels us to action and we take that step. Being a follower is not about watching. It is about being in relationship with God and each other. Working with Jesus on the front lines, doing whatever it takes to change this world. My friends, yeah, it is a weird time. Yes, it can be scary out there. Yes, there's a lot to be done. But God called you. And God called me. And God called us as a church to be on the front lines, being the hands and feet of Christ, speaking out for injustice, caring for the hurt and the hungry, the poor and the lonely, being Christ in this world. Christ has called us into action to be on the field, And he promises to be with us as we do that. May it be so. Amen. One of the ways we do that is through prayer. And we have done this together as we have prayed Psalm 91 together for the last many days. I encourage you to set an alarm at 9.10 or somehow to remind yourself to pray this prayer. I'm going to adjust it a little bit so that I'm praying for us. But when you pray it, pray it for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the rest of that comes when we choose to live in your shelter.
We declare you alone are our refuge, our place of safety. You are our God. We trust in you. We pray you will protect us and our family from coronavirus. We pray you will cover us and shelter us. We thank you for your faithful promises that remind us that you will protect us. Help us not to be afraid of all that we hear and all that we see. Help us not to dread the virus that is terrorizing our world. Lord, many are sick. Many are fearful and anxious and many hurt. We pray protection for them, for us, for our family, for our church, for our community, for our city, for our state, for our country, for our continent, and for our world. We pray, Lord, as we make you our refuge, that no evil will conquer us, nor come near our homes. We pray for protection by your angels wherever we go. Lord, we love you, we trust you. Please rescue and protect us. Thank you for answering us when we call. Thank you for being with us in troubles. Thank you for salvation and for the hope of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. the body why aren't his hands showing 
Why isn't the word of Christ being proclaimed if we are the body? My friends, I challenge you as we go out into this world, go out into this world with the assurance that God goes with you and because God is with you, you can and will make a difference. Go out with the assurance of not being afraid. But go knowing that God is on your right and your left, in, your front, in front of you and behind you. Go share God's love. Go share God's peace. Go share God's justice. Go share God's compassion. May the grace and peace of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and dwell with you this day and each day. Amen.